listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. It's going to be good. So we've covered your spirit, we've covered your soul, we've covered your body, we've covered relationships, and then tonight is going to be a good one because everybody needs to hear this. We're covering the fifth area of life that you must master or it will master you, and that's the area of finances. That's what we're covering tonight, is the blessing in the area of finances. If you don't master it, it will master you. And the majority, Nick, Nick's on tonight. Nick Greenwald, you on still, buddy? We talked about this not long ago, how this is a message more than almost any other one that Christians in America and around the world need to hear. Just in America, what was it, Nick? How many people are struggling in credit card debt, going paycheck to paycheck, can't seem to get by, can't seem to make ends meet, marriages are ending as a result of financial pressure and stress. It's something the church hates talking about. People get all bent out of shape. Religious people start screaming from the rafters because people start talking about the financial blessing of God. Yet, at the same time, it's an area where almost everybody is struggling, in America especially. Uh, What was it, 80-some percent, Nick? of people in America have at least $16,000 of credit card debt going paycheck to paycheck. Look at that. 80% going paycheck to paycheck. Now 44% have over 14 to 15,000 of credit card debt. People are struggling financially because they don't do what the Bible teaches to do. The only way, the only reason, I I promise you this, the only reason, there's Pastor, Pastor Sharon Motley, love you. The only reason that people are struggling financially, truly, is because they don't do what the word of God says. That's, that's the only reason. Now, I understand that there are things that happen. People have accidents or, you know, there's, there's things that go on that are, Uh, out of people's control, but I'm talking about for the long term, 80% of Americans going paycheck to paycheck, people that are needing financial miracles. And so let me just say this to you. And we use this, this verse often. The Bible says that he is the Lord, our God, who teaches us to profit and leads us in the way we should go. There's so much said in the Bible about God blessing us financially. Did you know, here's something that'll blow your mind. 63% of the curse of the law dealt with their finances. Think of that. 63% of the things listed in the curse of the law dealt with their financial well-being. And Christ came to redeem us from the curse of the law. Jesus doesn't want us to be in a place where we struggle financially. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us not to just have our needs met, but to have more than enough to do what we're called to do in our purpose. 
Being blessed, being prosperous, let me tell you something. Being prosperous is having more than enough to accomplish your specific purpose. It won't be the same for everybody. Remember this. It will not be the same for everybody. Having abundance is having more than enough to do and complete what God has called you personally to do. And I want to start there tonight. If you're if you're just jumping on, listen to what I'm saying as we cover this fifth area of financial increase and blessing. What is prosperity? Let's define this. What is prosperity? Let me define it for you and you put it in the comments. Prosperity is having more than enough to complete what God has called you personally to do. Having more than enough to complete the assignment that God gave me to accomplish. That's what prosperity is. It's having an abundance, having more than enough, not every need met, beyond that, beyond every need met. It's living in the excess, living in the overflow, having more than enough to accomplish what God has called me to do personally. And you put your name in there. Because every person watching is anointed to accomplish something powerful for the kingdom of God. And the prosperity that you will live in is the prosperity that puts you in a place of more than enough to accomplish all that God has called you to do and still have more than enough left over to be a blessing to others and to have excess. That's the plan of God. The Bible says, and let's go there, uh, Psalm 35, let's start there tonight. Psalm 35, listen to this. The Bible says, oh, this is verses 8 through 10. Listen to this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. You see that? Those that fear the Lord have no lack. For the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. They lack no good thing. Again, in Psalm 84, 11, the Bible says, no good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. So we can define then, here's the key. We can define what it means to fear the Lord and to seek the Lord. It's those who walk uprightly. You know all that is? Very simple. All that means is those that live in obedience. That's all it means. Those who live in obedience to the word of God. Those who live in obedience to the word of God. I think that's on your end, Teresa. It's not on my end. Those who live in obedience to the word of God. So righteousness, holiness, all that is defined simply is total obedience to God's word and his spirit. That's all it is. And so those who fear the Lord will not lack. Those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. And that's a very simple thing. And so it all comes down. Everything comes down to an instruction or multiple instructions from the Lord. That's it. But then once you have it, now see, it's, it's funny because so many people are believing for financial miracles. You shouldn't have to go from financial miracle to miracle to miracle. The just shall live by faith. 
The just aren't called to live by miracles. If Listen to me. If you always need a miracle, it's because you haven't properly stewarded what God has given you. Let me say that again because that blows people's minds. If you always need a financial miracle, it's because you've not properly stewarded what God has already given you. Remember that. And I, and I mean that because see, God doesn't want us to have to live in supernatural miracles time after time after time. At some point, you should be able to sustain and continue to trust God, but, but sustain in the area that he's blessed you and continue to be a blessing to others. You understand? So there should be a time at some point, it's like, it's like physical miracles. I shouldn't always need a, 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 a healing miracle over and over and over. What in the world is going on in my life if through my whole life I need healing miracles every month? Oh, I'm sick again. I got another disease. I need another miracle. Then God gives it to you. Then a month later, I need another miracle. Then a month later, I need another miracle. The just shall live by faith not by miracles. So we shouldn't have to go from miracle to miracle to miracle to miracle. I mean, just to survive, to pay the bills, to take care of your family, to do what God's called you to do. Now, there are times we're believing for miracles to increase, to explode, to expand. Yes, I get that. But I'm talking about these people that are going from paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. And it's always like, oh God, it's another month. I need the bills paid. God, you have till the end of the week to bring the rent in. If I can't get the rent paid, we're out on our ear. You shouldn't as a Christian live like that. That that's that's not God's desire. Right, sissy. Miracle pacifiers. That's a good way of saying it. Miracle pacifiers. And so I want to show you something. This this will this will open your eyes. Um listen to this. People who now this this will blow your mind. I love this because the passage that I'm getting ready to read to you shows you God's nature when it comes to us putting him first before putting ourselves first. Think about this. I'm in the book of Haggai, Haggai chapter one, and I'll read you a few verses of scripture. If you have to look it up in the contents page, look it up. Haggai chapter one, Bill in Brooksville, Kentucky. Good to have you on. So listen to this, Haggai chapter one, and God's giving them a bit of a rebuke. But listen, if we listen to their rebuke, we can learn the, we can learn the uh, lesson for ourselves. Listen to this, Haggai chapter one, um, verse two, listen. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. It, it, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Look at this. You've sown much and you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but nobody's warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. That's a horrible place to be. Verse seven, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. 
Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, it blew. I blew it away. Why? Because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. You see that? So look what the Lord is saying. Look what the Lord is saying to these people. He's saying the reason that you have not been able to walk into the blessing that you want. Everybody's clothing themselves, still getting uh, cold. Eating, still not satisfied. You know, you're making wages, but putting it into a bag with holes and losing it all. And he said, why? Why is this the case? Because you've only focused on your house and you've left my house in ruins. This is essentially what the Lord's teaching them. You've put you ahead of me. Think about that. He said, you've put you ahead of me. And when you understand that God's desire is to bless you, but he has a system. What's God's system? God's system is kingdom first. Now, everybody that's watching, I want you to put it in the comments tonight. Kingdom first mentality. Pop that in. Kingdom first mentality. I'm going to teach you how to be blessed in such a way that you never lack for any good thing. Never lack for any good thing. And this is a huge, huge one right here. Kingdom first mentality. It's God first. It is a God first mentality. And that's what he's trying to teach them here. You live in paneled houses. You've built yourself houses. You've got your own stuff. You've eaten your food. You've clothed yourselves. You've all the stuff that you've done for you. But you say it's not a time for my house. And you've left my house in ruins. You've put my stuff behind and you focused only on you. He said, so now every time you're bringing in your harvest, you're going to put it in a bag that's filled with holes. You're going to bring stuff back to your house and the wind's going to blow it away. And what was the problem? The problem was they had a me first mentality instead of a kingdom first mentality, a God first mentality. And people don't, it, this blows people's minds to find this out. The other day, my wife and I were live together and people were asking us questions. How do you prioritize, you know, your life, your family, your ministry, your kids, all the stuff that you're doing? And uh, people were very surprised to find out about our priority list. Our priority list is this. For me personally, here's my priority list. Number one, first thing is my relationship with God himself, my relationship with Christ. That is above and beyond anything else that there is. You can always go to miracleword.com, Charles. Miracleword.com and sow a seed there. Asking how to sow from YouTube. So, but beyond anything else, number one is I put God first. My life with Christ is first. But then what's number two? People say, then you then you go into your ministry, the thing that, that God called you to do, your, your calling, your purpose, your ministry. No, absolutely not. After my relationship with Christ, my second priority is my relationship with my wife. That's number two. And then they say, oh, then, you, then your ministry. No. Then the third priority is my relationship with my kids. They come after my wife. And that's the next priority. And then fourth and last of all is what God's called me to do, my ministry to other people or my ministry on the earth. 
Your, your relationship with Christ is first, your family is always second, and then your what you do for God in your work is always last. And so if my relationship with Christ is first, watch this, then I will always put God above me, above my wife, above my children, and above my ministry. And so let me give you an example of what I mean by that. Because we're talking about finances, let me talk to you with examples about finances. Let's say, for example, that my ministry was believing for something. That's the last priority, ministry. Let's say, for example, my ministry was believing for something. We needed to buy a new piece of gear. We're we're believing for new gear, whatever it was for the ministry. And we needed, let's say we needed $20,000. And I said, well, what we're going to do until, because I know we're supposed to do what God's called us to do. So, you know, be, before, um, while, while we're getting this money together for this new gear, we're just going to pause our tithing. We're going to just pause our tithing, pause our giving. God understands because it's our ministry. We need to get the ministry work done. We're going to pause our tithing and pause our giving while we save up for this piece of gear in the ministry. It'll never happen. That will never, ever happen. I will never pause our tithing to God, pause our giving to God to do some kind of a priority or some project with the ministry. Because then what happens? It it flip-flops your priorities. Now, my ministry goes above God in priority level. Because tithing and offerings are my first priority to God. Goes before I do any of that other stuff, any others any other any of that other stuff first i put god first so he gets what's his that's a great way to say it ariana never put god on hold those of you in fact it's such a good quote everybody put that in the comments say what say what ariana's saying never put god on hold never put god on hold i have to live this way my wife lives this way and so we might be believing, you know, for a new piece of equipment, you know, whatever it might be. We're going to move forward. We need all this new stuff to do our next level of whatever. And we say, well, we're going to tithe our giving. Uh, we're going to pause our giving, pause our tithing in, in order to do that. No, we're never going to do that. We'll never, ever do that. God will always be first. His kingdom will always be first. And he will always get what's his. Always. Always. Let me get into, into family. You've heard us teach on this. You, you've heard us say this. That's it. Never put God on hold. Big mistake to put God on hold. But let, let, me, let me say it this way. When it comes down to my relationship with my wife or my children for that matter, we made up in our minds, and I think this is just a good rule of thumb and a good way to live. Why would we ever, if we truly believe, now I'm a minister of the gospel, if I truly believe that ministry, what, what, what God's called me to do in the ministry and his kingdom is important, seek ye first. See, we're basing this on Matthew 6, If you were wondering, we're basing this whole concept on Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. All these things will be added unto you. So how do we do it? Well, one of the things we made up as a rule of thumb for us, just as kind of a a way to just test ourselves always, is we said we would never do anything for each other. And you've heard me say this. We'd never do anything for each other that we hadn't done much more for God first. 
I would never buy my, my wife a piece of jewelry ever, you know, never, um, that costs more than something we'd done for God first. You know, I remember when I married my wife, her, I think her wedding band back when I bought it back then was like, you know, a thousand dollars for the, for the whole thing. Well, let me just tell you something. Yes, I bought my wife that all those, what, 15 years ago, but I had already been sewing at the thousand dollar and above level to the kingdom of God before I married my wife. And so if I had not think about this and we hadn't even made the thing yet, but this was in my spirit. If I had not done that for the Lord, what business did I have doing that for my wife? Is our, you know, are our wedding rings more important than the kingdom of God? No, no, absolutely not. And so we've come up with this. I'm not going to go out. She's not going to go. And I can't even imagine, you know, I think about this principle and every time I think about it, I think, man, that's, that would be so stupid. I can't imagine going out and, you know, having, buying a suit or having a suit custom made for me, you know, here's a $2,000 suit. Here's a thousand dollar suit. I can't even imagine doing that. If I was some cheap preacher that had never given God $2,000 in an offering plate. I mean, what does that even say about you? You know, what does that even say about you as a person? If you're out having a $1,000, $2,000 suit made for yourself, or you go out and buy $800 pair of shoes at some, you know, high-end place, and you've never given that to God in an offering, what does that say about a Christian like that? <laughs> it's always funny when you get on this subject of, of finances and giving, because people just slowly back away off the broadcast. Like we started with like on all, on all streaming services, we started with like close to a hundred people and it's slowly back down to like 70 people. <laughs> it's just how it happens because, um, in the flesh, people hate to hear it, but that shows who's staying because the people that are staying around are those that are mature that want to be blessed, that want to go higher in the things of God. And I applaud you for your maturity in the spirit. But see, you have to come up with a kingdom first mentality. It's God first, then everybody else. Because if God is first, everything else will follow. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added. All these things will be added. And so the things that are added are a result of you making God first, kingdom first choices in your life. And so that's the, that's the thing. It's that I'm going to make a decision to make kingdom first choices in my life. You know, I can remember, and there are times, because when you think about finances, in all reality, it is one of the biggest ways to see if your heart is right with God. You know, anybody in any other area, think of it, you know, I don't know if you've thought of it this way before. If you haven't, think of it. In any other area, you can fake it. Think about that. I can come to church and even if I'm not that tied in, you know, to church or tied into Christianity, I can still lift my hands during the service. I can still wave them. I can still sing with everybody else. I can fake it. Even if, even if I'm not interested in anything the pastor's saying, I can fake it like I am. Mm, ooh, amen. Ooh, hallelujah. Ooh, thank, ooh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I can fake it. You can talk a big talk to other people in the church. Wasn't that good today? Praise God. I'm, I just feel like I'm under the spout where the glory comes out. You can fake all those things. 
You can sit in a church and not be on fire for God. But the thing you can't fake and the thing you'll never be able to fake is your giving. You can tell where people's hearts are for the kingdom of God when you check their balance. That's the key. And and you know how I know? It's because that represents your whole life. Your giving, your finances represents your whole life. You work a job. So your job is you giving your life away. Think of it that way. Your job is you giving your life away for a paycheck. It's 40, it's 50, it's 60 hours a week, whatever you're working. And you're giving your life away for those hours, away from your children, away from your wife, away from your home, and giving your life to whatever you do as job. And then in return, they give you the paycheck. So when you think about it, your paycheck represents your life. So when you give, remember this, when you give, what you're really giving to God, you're giving your life to him. It's very interesting that when you put that offering into the kingdom, you are putting your life into the kingdom because every dollar on that paycheck represents your life. So this is why you can never fake this part of Christianity. And that's why people get so clammed up when it comes to this. You know, I've seen, and it would blow your mind what I've seen, but I've seen, I have seen people walk down to the altar in church services and pull out a small bill from their wallet, you know, $10 bill, and then look into the basket and speak to the usher that's either standing by that plate or basket or holding it and say, hey, brother, can I uh, br- can I break a 10? I, can I get some change? I'd like to give five to the Lord, but I need five back. Like, if you, let me just say this publicly because I'm going to, and I don't really care if anybody gets offended. If you walk to an altar and make change in the offering plate, you have a serious problem. <laughs> you have a serious problem. I, I remember I remember when uh, Jeff Foxworthy used to do those you might be a redneck jokes. <laughs> Anybody remember those? I actually think that was one of the ones that he used. If you've ever made change in the offering plate, you might be a redneck. And I totally agree. I've seen it happen. I've watched it happen. People pull out a 10 or a 20 and say, hey, could I uh, could I get some change, brother? I need to make some change. I mean, like, how can you, how, how can you as a full-grown adult, I mean, think about this. How can you as a full-grown adult give God something that you would be embarrassed to give your wife or your husband at their birthday party, or even as a gift at any time in the year. Like, remember this, or think think about this. Imagine if tomorrow I really wanted to like bless my wife. So I went out and bought a really nice card, you know, wrote some really nice things in it. I want to thank you for all you do, Carolyn. You're a wonderful wife. You're a wonderful mother. You're a great woman of God. You have unparalleled faith and you're so gracious and you're so kind. You take care of us all so well 
And I just wanted to buy you this card to tell you how much we love and appreciate you. And then she looks inside the card and I've put a little something in here for you. Don't spend it all in one place. And when she opens it up, there's a $5 bill in her card. <laughs> it makes the whole rest of the card seem like a joke. Even if it was a $10 bill. Seriously, it makes the whole rest of the card seem like a joke. And she's not God. She's, she's just a natural, although beautiful, woman. She's not the Heavenly Father. She's not the Godhead. And I would never, I would never. Let me tell you this. I would never do that to my 10-year-old daughter. I would never act like I'm blessing her. I'd be like, Maddie, come over here. Let me just show you something. Look what daddy's got for you. And pull out a $5 bill. She would laugh. I mean, like, you know, it's, I can't imagine doing that. But okay, that's humans. We're talking about to the creator of the heavens and the earth, the master of your soul, the one who sent Jesus to purchase your salvation and save you from eternal hell. And there are people <laughs> standing at the altar making change in the offering plate so that instead of being able to give God $10, they can give him five. It's like, here's an idea. Why don't you just, um, instead of that, why don't you just find a way to travel into heaven and slap God across the face? Because <laughs> it, it would be just as effective as putting that $5 bill that you made change to get into the offering. He said, well, brother, that means something to somebody. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It does not mean anything to anybody. Not in America, it doesn't. It doesn't. People go to McDonald's and drop $20 and don't even think twice about it. They don't even think twice. They go sit down with a couple people, drop 15, 20 bucks, and they don't even think about it. Don't tell me when you come to the altar, well, brother, it means something to somebody. Not really. Not really. It doesn't. There's people, if you, uh, let me show you how little it means. People that are in the corporate world that are always on the go, they should add up how much money in a month that they spend at Starbucks every morning getting their latte and their little uh, muffin. I'm not saying anything wrong with that. But I bet you, if you looked at the average person who's on the go, doing whatever, I guarantee you, People are spending like 80 to 100 bucks on coffee and a biscuit. <laughs> and people act like, and people are walking to the altar and making change in the offering plate. <laughs> Why don't you just go up into heaven and poke God in the eye and slap his face? Because <laughs> it'll, it'll do just as good. Well, brother, that offering really means something to somebody. I'd like to know who they are. Because I can't see anybody in America that it would mean anything to. And if you wouldn't do it for your kid, and if you wouldn't do it for your wife without getting smacked in the head with a cast iron skillet, how are people standing in the presence of God? Well, I've got, I'm sold out, brother. I'm sold out for the kingdom. And making change in the offering plate 
and then they're mad at their pastor. Well, you said there was going to be a mighty harvest that came upon. <laughs> you can't, you can't get into a mighty harvest with a five dollar seed. <laughs> I see my uncle's on something my uncle said a long time ago that I'll never forget. He's close. He said, I feel like you got shimmer shorts on. Shimmer pants. My uncle said something a while back that I'll never forget that he said. Speaking of the seed that you release from your life. He said, if you feel it when it goes, you'll feel it when it comes back. If you don't feel it when it goes, you ain't going to feel it when it comes back. So people can go, they can march around and say, well, I tried that giving. I tried that giving, that seed time and harvest, and it just doesn't work. I like what he told one person. He said, oh, it works because God's not a liar. The problem is the seed that you've released is so small that when you did get a harvest back, you didn't even notice it came. That's the problem for most people. It's that God's give, giving people instructions and they don't, they don't listen to the instructions. They flippantly do something that doesn't mean anything even in their spirit. See, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So when we are looking to master that area of being blessed financially, it always comes from a God-first mentality. And that's why I read you that passage from Haggai, because when you understand that God is the one who brings the increase, and people have a me-first mentality, and God said, you've left my house in ruins while you live in paneled houses, and you, you, you've taken care of yourself, you've taken care of your food, you've taken care of your clothing, and God said, now you're putting money in a bag with holes in it. Why is it the case? Because they've put a me-first mentality over a kingdom-first mentality. And the key is, you have to have a God first. If you have a God first, we're basing it once again, Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. You won't have to go looking for him. You won't have to go searching for it. You'll be able to go and God will add it into your life. It'll be added unto you, added unto you. The desires of your heart come in because you are seeking him first. When you just do what God's called you to do and stay faithful on that instruction, you'll, you will sit back and with ease collect a harvest that God causes. Think about the fact, God doesn't want you running all over the place in order to be abundantly blessed. He said, first of all, enter into my system of seed time and harvest. I love you, Uncle Terry. Enter into my system. He said, I'll give seed to the sower. You sit there, sow what I put in your hand. And then I'll make your harvest come back to you in the form of men and women that will pour into your bosom. So you don't have to run all over the country trying to make your seed time and harvest work. He said, I'll be the one that gives you seed to sow. And when you put the seed into the kingdom, then I will cause men and women to come and give into your bosom. You don't have to expend all kinds of energy trying to make the system work. God said, I'll work the system. You just do what I asked you to do. And it's a system that always works. But the key is this, watch this, because this is key. It's always about, it's always about doing something that moves in faith. Because when you move in faith, God is pleased and then God rewards those that diligently seek him. 
And we've already made up, we've, we've already given you the definition that when you understand what diligently seeking means, when you understand that it's all about instructions and obedience to instructions, then you know that my fear of God, my diligent seeking of God means that I'm going after him with everything I've got. And if he said it, I'll do it. He knows I will. And then watch this. What ends up happening? You build a system of trust with the Lord where he knows I can lose anything into this man's hand because if I tell him to give anything, he'll give it. And, and God knows about people. He knows about people that if I trust him with this, I could tell him anything today and it would leave his hand and he would obey what I told him to do. God can do anything through a person like that, anything. See, there's always a test. God tests your heart continually. Tithing's a test. I don't think people ever catch that. Tithing's always a test of the covenant. It's always a test. The more I increase you, will you continue to do what I told you to do? Or will you get to a place where you're blessed now and you can't, you feel like, oh, I'm at a place, I'm at the height of this blessing, it'll never happen again. And then you get to a place that God raised you up to and you clam up and start hoarding it all and say, I, I got to hang on to this. I may never get it again. If you live like that, that's why there's always a test of your heart. Tithing's a test of your heart. It continues on. Every level there's got to be a test of your heart. That's exactly it, Norman. Exactly. And here's the key. We know this is true by looking at the story of the rich young ruler, Matthew 19. Because when he came to Jesus, he said, what must I do to be perfect? And Jesus told him to obey the law, the prophets. He said, I've done that since I was a little boy. He said, you lack one thing, go and sell all you have and give it to the poor. And the Bible says that the rich young ruler went away sorrowful. Why? For he had many possessions. My grandfather who pastored for 62 years said it this way. He didn't have many possessions. Many possessions had him. And what ends up happening to some people is that the things they own begin to own them and they feel like, I can't release that, I can't give that away because they're controlled by what the Bible calls a spirit of mammon. It's the spirit, that love for money. It's the root of all evil. Money's not evil. Money's a tool. Money's a good thing in the hands of the right people. But money, <laughs> can, I, can I tell you something else? This would be good for you to remember, write it down. Money doesn't change people. It just amplifies who they were the whole time. It doesn't change people. If you were a jerk before you got money, you're a bigger jerk after you got money. You know why? Because when you didn't have it, you had to curb that jerkiness because you still needed people a little bit. But now that you've got resources and you don't need everybody doing anything for you, you'll, that, jerk, that, that jerk that you were inside just amplifies. Money doesn't change you. It just amplifies who you are. If you were generous before you had more than enough, then when you do get more than enough, watch that generosity go to another level. Watch that. Watch it go to another level. Watch, watch you get to the place where now I was generous before I had all this excess. But now that God's raised me up, look at all the people that I'm going to take care of. Look at the people I'm going to bless. Look at the people I'm going to feed. Look at the people I'm going to provide for. Look at the blessing. I'll, I'm an asset to my generation, not a liability. Because I'm in the excess, I'm in the overflow, and I can't be stopped because money answers all things, the Bible says. 
money answereth all things. Amen. Amen. And so God's going to bless you in such a way that you'll walk in the excess. But let me tell you another thing. As you walk in the excess, you've got to learn how it's important to do right things with right resources. And the reason that many people, let me, let me show you something in the book of James. This will stir you up. If you're going to master this area of finances, if you're going to master this area and be it walk in the blessing, walk in the overflow, it has to come with obedience to what God's word says to do with your finances. Tithing. People act like they did God a service because they gave their tithes, paid their tithes. That's the base level, my friend. <laughs> That's the basest of the base levels. And then you get to sowing beyond your tithe. And then you get into giving first fruit offerings and blessing men of God and blessing the poor. And you, you get into all the other stuff you can do on the kingdom of God. Tithing's the base level. It's like going to, it's like going to work and bragging to people that you got up this morning and tied your shoes by yourself with no help. It's like everybody's going to look at you like you're a nut because we all tie our shoes, my friend. It's a base level. It's not something to brag about. It's something every Christian should be doing. I want you to know I woke up this morning. I got out of my bed. I put my shoes on. I tied them all by myself. Nobody helped. Nobody held their finger between the loops. I tied them by myself. Nobody cares. We all tie our shoes by ourselves. We're not bragging on stuff that's base level and foundational. We all should be at that place. But there's more beyond that. There's more beyond that. The Bible says this, and I want you to, I want you to check this with me. <laughs> James chapter five. It's interesting. The Bible says, and this is a warning, by the way, if you read the headings of your, of your scripture, James chapter five, it's a warning to the rich that are doing the wrong thing. Why do you think that Jesus said it's hard for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven? It's not talking about Christians that are rich. It's talking about people that are outside the kingdom of heaven that are already rich through worldly gain. And he said, it's hard for them to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why did he say that? Because one of the downsides of getting wealth the wrong way is that you put your trust in your riches rather than in God because you don't serve God. And so one of the downsides to a sinner being rich is that they trust in the riches rather than in God, and then they think they got everything all together, and they don't need help from anybody. And I promise you that's how it works. If you talk to people that have money, they're some of the hardest people to convince because they think, they, I don't need your help. I got everything together. What are you going to offer me that I don't already have? And sadly, one of the things that happens often is that people who aren't in the kingdom uh, that already have resources and wealth, it's almost like they have to hit bottom or some kind of a crisis has to hit their life in order for them to open up to that message because it's when they need help, it's when they need and they get desperate for a miracle that they come looking. That's why it's a miracle when people like Kanye West received Jesus Christ. And he himself said in his testimony, I was at a place where my relationships were falling apart. My relationships with my kids are falling apart. My wife, and there was problems in my mind and all these other things. And he knew I can't do it by myself and needed help. And that's why Jesus said it is hard 
for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's a dangerous thing to put your trust in riches. And, and the scripture here rebukes them. It says your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you. You'll eat, eat your flesh like fire. You've laid up treasure in the last days. Uh, behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, they're crying out against you. You've lived in luxury and self-indulgence, fattened your hearts for the day of slaughter. You see, it's a warning because people love their riches. They put their trust in riches rather than in God. And so it's important for us to understand that that's not the same thing as the blessing that's inside the kingdom. Because inside the kingdom, the Bible says in Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow unto it. So wealth and riches outside the kingdom comes with sorrow. You just look at the life of somebody that's won the lottery or somebody. How is it possible? I'll give you an example. How is it possible? I heard uh, Dave Chappelle talking about this. If you know Apostle Dave Chappelle, um, <laughs> I heard him giving an, an analogy. And he w it blows my mind that sinners can understand this stuff and Christians don't. It blows my mind. He gave an analogy. He said... Um, he, uh, he was talking about Anthony Bourdain, who, who sadly killed himself in a hotel room in France, I believe. And uh, he was getting ready to do another, I think, taping of his show where he was eating. You know, he did that show where he would go around the world and eat the best foods and, you know, rate foods and all this stuff. Well-known chef, world, worldwide known, world-renowned chef, had his own television shows you know, millions of dollars, stayed in the nicest places in the world, ate the best foods, went, did everything the best, and still killed himself. And Dave Chappelle mentioned that, and then he said, but I also went to college with this dude. And he said, this dude that I went to college with, he went to high school with, he went on to law school, and he met this girl in law school. And I told him, don't marry her. She's not the one for you. He said he married her anyway. Shortly thereafter, they got divorced he said, but now the problem was she was a lawyer and she divorced him and took half of everything he had and he had nothing. So she took half of nothing. He said, now I came back. He said, all these years later, he said, I came back home and I ran into, he's like, I went into the mall and the dude was working in Foot Locker. He has a law degree, passed the bar and is working in Foot Locker showing people uh, tennis shoes. And he said, he came right up to me. He said, Dave, what's up? And he said, well, what are you doing? He said, let's get together. Let's catch up on old times. And he said, what are you doing? He said, well, I work at Foot Locker now and I live with my mom in my mom's basement. And he just said every wrong thing that could have happened to the guy had happened to the guy. He said, but the guy had never thought about killing himself. And, and jokingly, you know, Dave Chappelle's a stand-up comic. He said, jokingly, I said, you know, I even suggested it to him that you should think about killing yourself. But he said, look at the difference. Here's a man that has everything, has everything, millions, television show, world-renowned chef, eats the best, stays at the best, travels in the best, and still can't break free from depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and dies with suicide. Here's another man that has everything taken away from him. He's back down to ground zero at the age of 50, living with his mom in his mom's basement. That shows you these things are spiritual. That it's a it's not a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing. Wealth without Christ is nothing. 
Wealth without Christ is nothing. You understand? The Having resources, having money, having cars, having houses without Christ is nothing. I heard Dr. Fred Price say it one time. He said, you know, you want to talk about what, uh, what true blessing is. He said, what good does it do if you've got $20 million in the bank, but you're filled, your body's filled with cancer and you're about to die? What good does that do? He said, what good does it do to have $20 million in the bank, but you're working 80 hours a week and you come home and your wife is having an affair with the pool boy? What good does that do? What good does it do when you have $20 million in the bank and you're, but all your life's falling apart, your children won't speak to you. See, but when you are when you have the blessing, remember this, the blessing of the Lord makes rich. No, Jacob, you got to listen. Don't, don't, you got to listen to the whole teaching. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. So the key is this, when you get it the proper way with Christ and by his covenant and by his system, then you get to have the blessing, but you also get to have the life that's full of joy, peace, enjoyment, relationships are working, kids are serving the Lord, body is healthy, mind is not harassed with suicidal thoughts and chronic depression and anxiety attacks. You get the full blessing of God that makes rich and adds no sorrow. You get the whole thing but you got it God's way. And money doesn't run you. Money doesn't own you. You're not battling the love of money because you love the Lord and you can't love God and money. You've got to love one or the other. You can't have two masters. And people that get it from the kingdom of God understand how they got it. Promotion comes from the Lord. Psalm 75 says that Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or the south, but promotion comes from the Lord. And he alone decides who will rise and who will fall. He alone decides. So when you do it in his way, with his kingdom, by his principles, then you get the blessing and you get no sorrow. And you know what the key is? Doing what he tells you to do. Obeying the instruction, walking by faith, lifting up, lifting those things to the place where you say, you know what? I don't care what God tells me to do. I'm doing it. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care what he tells me to do. I'm doing it. That's the key. I'm doing what he told me to do. Nothing else. I refuse to hold back, to hoard, to keep to myself when I know that the generosity and my obedience bring me into a place of overflow and prosperity. Listen to this. Listen to the book of Proverbs. Let me read you this one. The Bible says in Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25, listen to this. One gives freely and grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and it only and only suffers lack. Verse 25, whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. So what's the key there? The key is that when people withhold what they should be sowing, the Bible says it brings poverty and lack. But one who waters will himself be watered. The generous will be blessed and walk in abundance. You know what God's plan is for you? Never-ending increase. Never-ending increase. Never-ending increase. That's the key. 
That's the key. That's what God wants to do in your life. And then God wants to keep you in that place of a steady stream of increase. Not up one year, down the next year. Struggling, doing well. Not That's not God's plan. We're not, well, there's seasons, brother, where we just really aren't making it. No, that's not the key. That's not the plan. God has a plan to increase you at every on every side in every area of life and make sure you never lack. Doesn't matter what's going on in the natural world, in the natural economy, you don't lack. Because remember this, your system, your economy is not the government, your provision, your source is not your job, it's not corporations, it's not the government, it's not unemployment, it's not a stimulus check, it is the mighty power of God. And the Bible says that he has a treasury in heaven. One of the blessings that God gives to the righteous, to those that obey him. Listen to this. One of my favorite things, Deuteronomy 28, listen to uh, verse 12. And the Lord, (laughs) this is good, man. And the Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations and you shall not borrow. Glory to God. You shall lend to many nations and you shall not borrow. (laughs) Hallelujah. He will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, and pour you out rain in due season. Bless all the work of your hands. I want you to write it in the comments right now. He's blessing the work of my hands. Put it in the comments. He's blessing the work of my hands. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He's blessing the work of my hands. Hallelujah. That's it. I will lend to many nations and I'll not borrow. Hallelujah. I will lend to many nations and I shall not borrow. I shall not borrow. But we got to get it on the most base level. You ain't going to lend to nations if you can't even lend to yourself. I'm not going to be a borrower, not borrow from nations. I shouldn't have to get my couch from rent center You understand? I'm not going to live with a poverty mentality. I'm going to finish talking about a poverty mentality. I shouldn't. You shouldn't have to live with a poverty mentality. Not going to go. You know what people do? Because they, they, they don't understand God's principle of increase. They, they need to have it right this minute. They got to have it right now. So they want to go out. Young men, you hear me that are listening. I want to get a PS4. I want to get an Xbox One. And they run out to Rent-A-Center and buy it there. By the time they're done, they spent $700 getting something that could have cost them you know, $149 at Walmart. Because they could do it for $10 a month for the rest of their life and spend $700 on something that costs 200 bucks. You understand? Because people cannot control themselves. They don't have the ability to live in contentment, like the Bible says, and they got to have it right now. No patience, no self-control. They got to do it right now. That's why people have $16,000 in credit card debt. (laughs) Do it for the gram. That's right. Now everybody's doing it for the TikTok. But you understand? It's that God will add those things to you. You'll, You'll pay cash for things that others are borrowing for. You'll pay cash. You'll not be in debt. You'll not owe any man anything. You'll lend and you won't borrow. 
you know, we talk about car payments. Think about think about this fact because well, you know, got to have a car payment. I have a car payment. I got three car payments. Imagine if you were the one that was buying a bunch of cars cash and then you were selling them and you were the one collecting payments and making the interest. Imagine that. Well, I got to pay my rent. Forget rent. You go out and buy yourself an apartment building and you rent those apartments out and you are the one who's the landlord and you're not the one that's in there as the tenant. Flip your thinking. You know, flip your thinking. God will take care of you. One of the things that we learned early on in our ministry, when I was young, just started traveling, very young, and I'm still young, but I mean, when I was really young, and we started going out, my, my wife and I would talk about this, and we'd say to ourselves, well, uh, you know, like, like we're trying to save God money, like God needs us to save him money. Well, let's go out and uh, we're flying to this place or whatever. Let's just rent, let's just rent a very, very small car. When really with the gear we had and all the stuff we needed, we needed an SUV, especially as kids came along and we were flying and going to, well, let's just get a car. We, we were young. And so we did it and we're in there squished and I'm sitting in there like a, you know, I'm six foot three, you know, 250 pounds. I'm sitting in this car, you know, jammed in. I looked at my wife. I said, never, never again are we doing this. We said, well, we're trying to save God money. You don't have to save God money. And everything we've noticed is if we just walk by faith, he said, we'll never do that again. And then we, we just rented the best that we could find, biggest we could find, extended SUVs, the biggest that they've got in the airport, biggest they've got on the lot, whatever the biggest is, give it to me. And always, always God pays the bill. I promise you that. I promise you that. If you would just do by faith what you know to do, God pays for what he orders. I'm not going to sit around and wonder, well, I just don't know if it's going to come in. No. And, and, and understand that you're a child of the king. It's like my uncle who was on before, my uncle Terry, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth. One of the things he always said that made me laugh, you know, with a poverty mentality. Think about actions people take with a poverty mentality. They'll go to the store. They'll go to the grocery store and they'll buy their kids cereal. And instead of buying them Fruit Loops, they'll go down to the bottom and pull out the bag of Fruity Rings, the off-brand. It's all the way down at the bottom. Fruity Rings. My kids want Fruit Loops. You brought home Fruity Rings. You know, out there, kids want Honey Nut Cheerios, and you brought home Toastios. <laughs> Your kids love to eat cinnamon toast crunch and you went and bought cinnamon squares. And what did you do? You saved $1.25. My God, get ready for a breakthrough. Well, you know, the uh, the Fruit Loops was $3.99, but I could get the Fruity Rings for $2.25. My God, what a breakthrough. Sitting at the front, holding a big line behind you, clipping coupons, so that you can get a, a can of green beans that was $1.89 for $1.39 and save 50 cents. Meanwhile, you got 60 angry people behind you ready to stone you with stones because you got coupons clipped out that you're trying to figure out. <laughs> it's a poverty mentality. It's a poverty mentality. You got to break it. I'm not living like that. You know, there's people that will drive 
10 extra miles across to another city. Well, you know, gas over here is, is only $249 a gallon. Where I'm at over there, gas is $259 a gallon. 10 cent difference. Oh, wow. That's amazing. What do you got? A, a car with a 20 gallon tank? You filled your whole gas tank up and just saved $2. Save $2. Meanwhile, your time, I hope, is worth more than $2. You drove 10 miles to another city because gas is, is 10 cents cheaper. It's a poverty mentality. I just, I just, you know, I saved 10 cents a gallon. You saved $2. $2 on gas because you drove 10 miles away to get it. People do this stuff all the time. All the time. I like, I like one time Dr. Leroy Thompson, I was listening to him preach. I like what he said. Dr. Le Dr. Leroy Thompson said, he said, rather than going out and buying five $100 suits that fall apart at the seams and melt in the sun, Go out and buy yourself one $500 suit. He said, rather than buying yourself 10 $100 suits, go out and buy yourself one $1,000 suit. And he said, put that thing on and see what it feels like to wear a $1,000 suit and understand you're a child of the king. He said, wear that bad boy until you can't wear it anymore. <laughs> wear it until you can't wear it anymore but feel what it feels like to put prosperity on your shoulders. Don't sit around and say, well, I can't afford that. That's not for me. That's for people who have, no, don't do that. Most people that say I can't afford that don't even know how much it costs. Seriously. Most people that say we can't afford that don't even know how much it costs. My cousin Jonathan and I have talked about this. There's people that will point out restaurants to you. Oh, see that place over there that just opened? Man, we don't, we've not gone, we don't go in there. That's an expensive place to eat. Oh, really? How much does it cost to eat in there? Well, you know, I don't know because we don't go in. I mean, it's, I mean, it's big bucks, man. It's big bucks. It's like, oh, really? And so who who's supposed to be eating in there? That's the question. So who is supposed to be eating in there, if not the children of God? What, bankers that are sleeping around on their wife with their secretary? Who's supposed to eat in there? Rappers that are objectifying women's bodies? Is that who's supposed to eat in there at the steakhouse? Who's supposed to be in the Capitol Grill? Who's supposed to be in uh, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse? Who's supposed to be in there eating? Tell me who. Who's supposed to be in Morton's carving up a ribeye? It's supposed to be some sinner that's not even serving the Lord. And you want me to go down here to Ponderosa, you know, to, to Sizzler and eat a, a steak that's an eighth of an inch thin that's been the, has had the crap cooked out of it. Bring, bring me out a briquette that just broke my teeth. I'm supposed to eat there. Well, it's really, I'll tell you, it's a really good price. You can get a, you can get a decent meal there for, you can get a decent meal there for a really good price. Seriously. And who's supposed to who's supposed to eat uh, at the good place? Sinners that don't serve the Lord, and Christians are supposed to walk around poor. We're supposed to walk around poor, and broke and busted, and then just thank God we were able to get a table at the Sizzler. And we need to understand these things because it's not God's design. 
God said, if you'll obey my word, if you'll do what I'm asking you to do, if you'll pursue me by faith, you will lend to many nations. You'll not borrow. You'll be the head, not the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. You'll be blessed coming in, blessed going out. I like pulling up to places and stepping out and people say, I'll get into uh, discussions with business people or realtors or whoever else. And they say, what do you do? And I'll say, I'm a preacher of the gospel. They say, oh, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I bet you didn't. I bet you didn't. I like sitting in first class next to, you know, people that, you know, so nervous. They, they've, they're into their third drink before the plane even takes off. And we get talking and they end up, well, I like it. What do you do? I'm a preacher of the gospel. And then they clam, oh, I didn't expect that. Your church must be doing really well that you can fly up here in first class. Oh, who's supposed to sit in first class? Who's supposed to sit up here in first class? You getting drunk in the middle of the day? Is that who's supposed to be up here in first class? Who's supposed to fly in these uh, first class seats? Only businessmen? Only people? Only bankers? Only rappers? Only artists? I mean, who, who's it supposed to be? No, not, not the children of God. Of course not. Not us. No, no, we say we sit way back in the back. That's where the Christians sit. We sit in, in, the, in the seat next to the bathroom just in case our flight's canceled and we don't have to. We, it's one of those seats that they'll refund all the money. We're supposed to sit back in the ba- back by the bathroom, the people that have diarrhea on the plane, and get ready to lose our lunch for the entire flight because we have to sit next to the stink. That's where Christians have to sit. That's where we're supposed to be. All the way back. And then if, you know, God forbid, if anybody does sit in first class that's a Christian and people question, oh, you are, you're a preacher. How did you get a first class seat? Well, you know, we actually were able to find a deal. I I searched for months and months on Expedia until I found a deal. And then our church was able to, you know, front the money. And we had investors and we had people that said, well, we want to bless the preacher. And we, they were able to get it at a good, a really good price, brother, really good price. And Ridiculous. Who's supposed to sit up there? Who's supposed to be up there? The people of God, that's who. That's who. The ones that are blessed by heaven's blessing, that's who. Amen. The, the people of God that are blessed. Well, we don't we don't really go in there because we can't afford it. Oh, really? And people get all bent out of shape because because ministers have an airplane. Give me a break. Who's supposed to have a jet? Drake had a a plane that's a massive, massive plane, a massive plane. Drake the Rapper. If you don't know who I'm talking about, Drake the Rapper. If you don't know who he is, Google him. And the Toronto Raptors won, which is the team that he's, you know, he's from Canada, he's from Toronto. The Toronto Raptors win, and he's out there. Talk about just wasting money. He's just out there flying them all over the, through Toronto's airspace because they won. And so you got a rapper that's out there putting out filthy music, got the Toronto Raptors, all they're doing is playing a basketball game, and they're up there in the skies partying, doing drugs, lines of cocaine, in his private jet flying all through the Toronto's airspace and around, celebrating, drinking Cristal, you know, all, and oh, that's, that's, no, that's who's supposed to have a private jet. That's who's supposed to have it. Not the people of God that are doing the work of God, not them, of course not. Give it to Drake. Let's let, get Drake, get Post Malone a plane with his crazy face, with his tattooed face and his cornrows, get with his, with his issues and his, like, get Post Malone a plane, please. Anybody that has Lil in front of their name, Lil Yeezy, Lil Jeezy, Lil Sheezy, Lil Smeezy, get them all a plane. 
But don't you let a child of God have a plane. Don't you let a preacher have a plane. They that's a, that's bla- they should not be touching a private plane. How could they dare have a private plane when there's people all over the world that are hungry? That's the same that's the same argument people always make. You know what? Why why does nobody say that to Drake? Why does nobody say that to Post Malone? How come nobody says that to Lil Yeezy, Jeezy, Smeezy, Sheezy? How come we're the only ones asked that? Why does nobody sit down in an interview with Drake and say, now, Drake, we've noticed that you have a private jet that is massive. You've got a massive private jet and you've been flying the Toronto Raptors everywhere, wasting jet fuel, actually polluting the air around the city of Toronto. We've been wondering, Drake, how come you don't sell that jet? There's hungry children all over the world. And we've been wondering why you don't sell your private jet and give all the money to the people that haven't eaten in a few days. Why does nobody ask those questions to Drake? How come Post Malone doesn't get those questions? How come Lil Yeezy, Sheezy, Jeezy, Meezy doesn't get that question? How come only a preacher gets it when they're already feeding people that are hungry and already preaching the gospel to the poor and already building orphanages and already giving multi-millions of dollars to outdoor crusades to see people changed by the power of God? They're already doing it. But how come nobody asks Drake? Why doesn't anybody? You know why? It's because the filthy antichrist spirit of this world doesn't want to see God's people blessed and wants to see the wicked flourish and the righteous begging for bread. That's why. That's why. And I don't care what they think. I don't care what they want. I don't care. I don't care at all. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? I live in probably the nicest house on this block that I'm living in right now. And not $1 of any partner's money bought this house. Not $1 that any partner gives in this ministry pays for this house. God bless me. God bless me. I don't have to apportion one cent. I don't have to take one paycheck from any partner money that comes into this ministry to live in this house. Nicest one on the block. I don't have to. I don't have to. God gives the increase. My sowing, my giving, what I do personally brings the increase. Every cent. You know what's nice is that partners can sow, partners can give, and we're feeding children around the world. You know what's nice is that we're blessing people around the world. You know what's nice? We're preaching the gospel around the world. And I don't have to go live in a hut somewhere because what I'm preaching to you works. And you can't say, well, you know, it's because he's got people on his broadcast giving partner money. And that's what, no, not one cent of that money is paying my mortgage, baby. I was blessed before you all came here. I'll be blessed when you're gone because it's not about people sowing a seed online that puts me in this place of blessing. It's my own personal giving into the kingdom of God that brings my harvest and your giving does the same for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) So I can sit here with a suit on top, yellow pants on the bottom, drinking my purified water from Publix. blessed and not cursed. And so can you because you obey the instructions of God. See the increase comes because you're obedient. Hallelujah. But the world doesn't want you blessed. 
But here's the nice thing. They can't govern your blessing. They can't stop your covenant. They can't stop your increase. Promotion comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. Promotion comes from the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you that had the God will bless you. Don't you worry, Norman. You keep on sowing. You keep on doing what God told you to do. Keep on being faithful. And God brings the increase. God will bless you. God brings the increase. Promotion comes from the Lord. I'm encouraging you tonight because, see, here's the key. We're going to be more blessed in 2020 than we have in any other year. And for the people that had the spiritual fortitude to stick around on this broadcast, it's been it's been at a place now, I'd say for the last month, where we have more people watching on YouTube now than we do on Facebook. And that's fine with me. YouTube's a better platform. But for everybody that stuck around Periscope, YouTube, and Facebook, I want you to hear this. This is going to be your year of violent increase and expedited favor. And you are, thank you. Look at that, Zach. Packing while we're listening, getting ready to move into the increase from our giving. Zach and Heather Ramsey in New York. They're getting ready to move into a better place than they are now. God's brought the increase. Nobody can stop your increase. Nobody can stop your increase in Jesus' name. So I want you to hear this tonight. This is our time for increase. This is our time to see the miracles of God take place. And we are going to see it. It's going to be steady increase for the rest of the year. I promise you, get ready for the faithful. The last half of this year is going to be far better than the first half of this year. You are going to receive it, Charles, in Jesus' name. You are going to receive it. And so I'm going to do this tonight because I feel it in my spirit. I'm going to encourage you, and the Lord's already speaking to you. There's people that are watching the broadcast right now that are jumping on with this ministry. Partners are jumping in every single day. And the Lord's speaking to you to partner. He's speaking to you to stand with Carolyn and myself and Miracle Word Ministries, what we've been calling Victory Tribe, as we see this, this generation touched by the power of God. And let me encourage you, for those of you that are watching, maybe you have not ever stood with us monthly, but the Lord's speaking to you right now. Thank you, Janet, for sowing a seed. No, it's not wrong. Because J- Jacob, the, the Bible prescribes giving for every believer. It's not wrong to give and do what the Bible says. No. For those of you that can't see, he asked, is it wrong to just give to give? No, give because you love the Lord. And I'm telling you, right now is your opportunity. See, the financial breakthrough we're talking about, the mastering of this area of life, it doesn't come by accident. That's why I said, this is the test. Because this is the only place in the kingdom you can't fake it. It's all it's rubber meets the road at this place, and this is how you're blessed. And when God gives you, thank you, Dave and Lisa, when God gives you that instruction, he's looking for a response of obedience, and then he releases the increase. Hallelujah. He releases the increase into your life. And let me tell you, I've been praying for you. I've been asking the Lord 
to let this year be a year of so much increase that it blows people's minds who know you personally. That's what my prayer is for you, that it blows their minds, the ones that know you, and say, what in the world's going on with you? What in the world happened for you? What, what is all this? How did you get it? That's what I'm believing. Where and then it becomes an open door to testify about the goodness of God. And that's what it is. The Bible says the goodness of God, that br- it's the goodness of God that brings men under repentance. Book of Romans. And that's exactly what happens. It's, a, it's an open door to tell of God's goodness. It's an open door to tell of his mercies and his favor. That's a good God we serve. You know, you start talking about what he's done for you, giving him your own personal testimony. Hallelujah. And then the increase continues to flow. And so let me encourage you. I mean, Caitlin and Mike are testifying. We've seen so much increase since partnering with your ministry. And and the the thing is this, it's just because of your obedience. It's you doing what the Holy Spirit said to do. And then he brings the increase. You know, that's the real good news. I don't bring the increase. It's not me, it's not Ted Shuttlesworth, it's not Miracle Word, it's not Carolyn that brings the increase. God brings the increase. God brings the increase. But I'm telling you, there's people right now, and I'll put this up because I know God's dealing with people. There's people right now that the Lord's dealing with you in your spirit to partner with us monthly, to stand with us. You you might say, well, you know, Brother Ted, I can't sow $1,000 right now. I can't sow $10,000 right now. But you know what you could do? Partner at $85 a month. And be faithful at that level. I love I love talking about it. Um, yes, Jacob, you can do it of your own accord, the Bible says. I love that Bishop Rick was telling this story. There was a woman in his church, and he was encouraging his people to give a seed every day. Whatever you can do every day, do something every day. He said there were people that did a dollar a day. Some people did $5 a day, whatever. But there was a woman that came to him and said, Bishop, I can't. I cannot give a seat every day. He said, really? He said, could you not even give a penny a day? Well, she said, I think I'd be embarrassed to do it. We said, no, no, do it by obedience. And she started giving a penny a day in an envelope, sewing it in the kingdom of God. And then he noticed it started becoming a nickel. Then he noticed it started becoming a dime, a quarter, started going up 50 cents, started going up to a dollar. And God continued to increase her and bless her until miracles, financial miracles started to explode in her life. And you start to realize, it's like this. I saw Letty's testimony. Letty, if you're still watching, throw a hand in the comments. You know who I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. And she just started where she could start. And she said, I'm going to sow $10 a week. And she was faithful, man. She sowed $10 a week. Given that, and look what happened. God continued to increase her, increase her, increase her, increase her. Hallelujah. And now she's giving and she's partnering with us. And then God continued to add to her business. More and more clients came. God's increasing her. Let me tell you something. It's amazing. It's amazing to watch what God does. Mike and Lisa, $85 a month, one of the best investments we have ever made. Try it and see what God will open up in your lives. And so I understand there's people that may say, well, look, I can't sow $1,000 right now. But did you know? that if you sowed $85 a month, you've sown $1,000 a year. Did you ever think about that? If you sow $85 a month, you've sown $1,000 a year. Start there and see what God will do in your life. We've had people, people call us up. Amen, Karen. 
Thank you for your faithfulness. She said, I signed up today to do what Letty did. And so $10 a week. Thank you for your faithfulness. See, everybody has to start somewhere where they're at. But notice this. Notice this. We've had people that have been calling, contacting the ministry. This is a sign of what God's doing in people's lives. I've had four or five people in the last three days write me a message via the text, email. Thank you, Holly, for sowing a seed. You know what they said? They said, Brother Ted, how can I, I feel to do it in my spirit. How can I increase my partner giving? How can I increase it? I'm at 85 a month. I want to take it to 100. I want to take it to 125. I want to take it to 150 a month. How can I increase my monthly giving to the ministry? Well, you know what's happening, don't you? People are faithful doing what the Lord told them to do. And then as a result, look what's happening. God's increasing them and they're recognizing as I'm obeying, he's taking me higher. And then they've heard what we've been preaching is that when God lifts you up, stay introspective. Okay. He brought the blessing to my life. Now, how do I continue to level up my giving to keep leveling up where I am in the kingdom? And they know how it works. They know the secret that God placed on the earth, seed time and harvest. As he blesses me, I continue to minister to the kingdom. And the Bible says, God will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. It's powerful, man. It's God's system of increase. And so let me let me do this right now because I know this, that the Lord's speaking to people. And um, I'm, I'm going to release some testimonies soon of what God's doing right here at Miracle Word. I'm, I've got some exciting things to tell you. But pray with me now because the Lord's speaking to you and I want you to hear that instruction clearly. See, I can't tell you what you're supposed to do. Only the Lord can. So let him speak. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for connecting me with every one of these precious people, what we're calling the victory tribe. I thank you, Lord, now that you're speaking to them regarding their future, regarding their increase, regarding their harvest. Now give them the instruction that they need by your Holy Spirit to bring them to the harvest that's coming in the future, in Jesus' name. As you speak to us, we will hear it, we'll obey it, in Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, those of you that are watching, the Lord's speaking to your heart. Maybe you're not partnering yet, but you're saying, I feel to partner monthly. Now let me let me tell you how to do this, if you want to sow a seed every single month. If you'll go to miracleword.com, and if you want to partner at $85 a month or more, click on the partner button. If you can't quite do that yet, but you say, I do want to sow something monthly, but I can't quite do the 85 a month yet. I want to do uh, like uh, Karen just said, $10 a week, or I want to do $20 a week, or I want to do $50 a month. Click on the give page and there's a place where you can set up monthly, weekly seeds, however you want to do it to sow something and stand with us as we're touching a generation with the power of God. And I'm telling you, thank you, Luenda. We love you so much. Luenda is one of the most faithful women and we appreciate you, Luenda, and we love you. Carol and I both do. But standing and believing that this is going to be a time of never-ending increase. And of course, we're a blessing to you. We're praying for you. We're gonna send you a gift this month as we always do. But we want you to know God brings the increase. God brings the increase. So if you would, go to miracleword.com right now. Click on either the partner page or the give page and set it up and stand with us. Watch what God will do when you're faithful. He will increase you. 
He'll continue to increase you. And it's going to be amazing when you see what God does. Also, if you'd like to use a digital way to give, there's hashtag donate for Facebook and uh, Periscope, Twitter. Not on YouTube, though. You can't use hashtag donate on YouTube. Um, Cash App, if you'd like to use Cash App. Venmo is available. Information's on the screen. PayPal is also available if you'd like to do that. And there are some who like to use uh, the United States Postal Service to send a check. They, these are people, in my opinion, who have great faith, great faith that they believe that the Postal Service will still do what they said they would do. Do you know something? And I'm praying it still gets to you. Can I tell you something crazy? I mailed you, and if anybody has gotten it, I don't, I've not talked to one person that's gotten this yet. Uh, if you have, put a hand in the comments. I mailed you a letter on the 1st of May. I mailed it to you personally on the 1st of May. It's the 22nd of May, and my letter hasn't gotten to you. Nobody has it. If you do have it, the one that says, thank you for helping us touch the world during the quarantine with us sitting in the television studio on the front of the envelope. If you've gotten that letter, put a hand in the comments. If you haven't, put a thumbs down in the comments because I mailed it on the 1st of May and it's the 22nd (laughs) and it still hasn't come to you. So I would say this to the people that are sewing via check, putting it in the mail. These are people with great faith that actually believe the United States Postal Service is going to do what they said they would do. Yep, see that? Look at the thumbs downs. No letter, no letter, no letter, no letter. And I'm telling you, of course, I w- why would I make it up? There's no reason to make it up. But the crazy thing is if I go into the U.S. Postal Service desk, because I put a you know first-class stamp on it and mailed it to you. I can't go in there and say, hey, where's all my pieces that I mailed out to my to my friends? They're like, we don't know. <laughs> That's the answer you get. No idea. See? Caitlin said, I haven't even received a magazine ever with a bunch of R's at the end. So those that are sewing, let me just commend you. Those of you that are sewing by check in the mail, you have great faith, not just to sow a seed, but to believe that the U.S. Postal Service will actually do what they said they would do. Look at Todd said, it took a letter. I took a letter to my son's friend. Uh, it took a letter. My son's friend sent two weeks to arrive and he lives three blocks away. <laughs> you could crawl on your hands and knees and deliver that letter quicker than dropping it in the mailbox. That's how bad it is. So I commend you for your great faith. And if you'd like to do it that way, I don't recommend it, but if you'd like it, you can go to uh, our website and our address is at the footer at the bottom of every page on the website, our mailing address, if you want, but it's much better if you do it uh, the digital way. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know what the problem is. I don't know what they're doing. I got no idea, no idea what they're doing. I don't even know, to be honest with you, I don't even know how the post office is still in business. I'm being totally honest with you. No idea how they're even still in business, but they are. 
I'm praying for you that you have the greatest weekend ever. Those of you that are going back to church, thank you, Jesus, that you'll be back to church. Thank God that President Trump made that announcement today. I thank God for him. Pray for your president. Pray for all those that are working with him. And uh, pray for the church. I'm glad you got the book in the mug. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Pray for your nation. Pray for the church of God all over the world. Pray for your leaders. And believe God, the last half of this year is going to be the best half of this year. In Jesus' name. All of our uh, schedule and everything's on the website. Maggie's asking, when will you be in West Virginia? Everything that we update it, as we get it updated, is uh, it's on the website if you want to check it out. <laughs> it's probably true, Zach. Probably true. Have a phenomenal weekend. Spend time with your family. Enjoy yourself. Um, I'll be back again on Monday. Now, Monday, we do have a special announcement for you. Something that you're going to love. Something that you're going to enjoy. Anuncio Special on Monday, 1030. Don't miss it. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.